This is a podcast of two type A girls working hard to untangle the BS stories and expectations related to this illusion of perfection. Life is hard enough without adding pressure to be more, do more, be the best. It's an ever moving target. And so, in an attempt to inch closer to our authentic selves, the vulnerable, messy, and uniquely beautiful, we have decided to push back. Bit by bit, we are untangling society's demands of us, sinking in to our own intuition. If something makes us feel more alive, we're doing more of that. If something drains us, we're gonna practice removing ourselves. This is a journey we hope you'll join us on. Together, we will explore insights, tips, and tricks, all in an attempt to help you uncover your truest, most authentic self. Hello to our pod squad friends. Um, Today, so excited. We have kind of decided that instead of just listening to ourselves and our thoughts, that we wanted to um, tap into some of the people we know that seem to be experts in our minds for areas that are of interest to us and hopefully to all of you. Um, However, today our very own (laughs) expert is one of the two of us. So Maddie, why don't you brag on yourself and tell us why we should believe everything you're about to tell us. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, you get to listen to me again, but I am super, super excited to touch on today's topic. And you've already heard me hint about this on so many episodes. Um, But anyhow, I'm really excited to do somewhat of a crash course on intuitive eating today. Um, As far as why you should listen to me, (laughs) I have firsthand experience with adopting this framework and I've seen how successful it is in my own life. I'll dig into that. Um, But additionally, I am a certified health coach through the American Council on Exercise. And most recently, I am certified in intuitive eating counseling. And that is actually through the two ladies who developed this whole framework. So I do like to think that I have an idea on all of this. (laughs) And I'm just really excited to share it with everybody. Awesome. I'm so excited too. I know for some of you listening, this idea of eating and food and our relationship to our bodies is something that is at the forefront of your minds or your life and decisions that you make each day. And don't worry, even for those of you who it's not maybe as much um, of a constant thought in your life, a lot of these principles or all of these principles in some way are going to be able to um, be put in place in your life when we just talk about learning to trust ourselves. And so these are principles that are going to may initially be related to eating, but we're going to try to help generalize them a little bit and show how they can work in other areas of our lives. Right. A lot of what I will have to say just because of the framework I go off does have a lot to do with food, but I will jump in with areas that this translates and I know Maggie will do a good job of it as well. Um, All right. I'm excited. Yeah. I guess just getting right into things you know I love my definitions so (laughs) I will introduce intuitive eating as an alternative more sustainable approach to health and this is all rooted in 10 principles so when this framework was very first developed back in 1995 by I got to give them credit Evelyn Shribley and Elise Resch um, they came up with these 10 principles and that's how I learned it and so I will do a very brief crash course on it but there's so much more um, to say so I would just love to 
continue the conversation with folks that maybe this really resonates with. Um, intuitive eating itself is really based on this framework of you building trust with yourself in relationship to food, your body, movement, all of these things. Um, and that's kind of why my slogan for all of this is intuitive eating helps you heal your relationship with food and body. Um, the reason that this is also important to me is because I struggled very deeply with both food and my body for what to me feels like essentially my entire life, definitely over a decade. Um, I found that I got to a place where it was very hard for me to be present um, and pretty much anything that I was doing because I was so consumed with what I had ate or what I was going to eat, um, whether or not I exercised, when I would exercise, I just became very, very obsessive with my health. And when I say health, it only had to do with my appearance. Um, and so I think this is where it can resonate for a lot of people where we're sold this idea of what health is and especially what health looks like when health looks different for everybody. So at the beginning, when you started this journey, it sounds like it very much had to do with you needing to address it in some way so you could literally function. Yeah. And it started with figuring out how to not be consumed by those thoughts just so you could live or, you know, go about your day. But then it became much deeper where it started to heal your actual relationship and then learn how to trust yourself in which I think you've shared before that it started with your body and food and that picture of health but it has now kind of transcended just that and seeped into all these other areas of trusting yourself and kind of bigger decisions and things in your life is that accurate absolutely I can remember you guys have all heard me mention multiple times that I went through this like therapy coaching program and I can remember like graduating which was awesome um but my coaches wanted to have like a final call with me and I just remember bawling during it because it was all coming together of how much something that started as just food for me like changed my entire life because I was able to develop confidence in big but small ways that really did transfer into very big areas of my life such as relationships and career and all of that. So for you it was super necessary for you to go through to locate find and access a specific program and have someone work with you through this and I'm sure being a certified coach yourself now like you are a big proponent of that like having someone else help you. Um, for those that may not have access to things like that or um, that seems kind of out of their reach, mm -hmm. are parts of these principles and things, um, ways that they can apply in their daily lives, kind of small ways that they can start on their own? You can absolutely do this on your own. I think for me it was necessary to work alongside a professional only because of how deep into these issues I was but even for somebody that maybe is deep into these issues themselves um, 
you can listen to today, today's podcast kind of introducing things, but also I would recommend any and everyone that these messages resonate with to um, read the book. You can, I'm sure, even just rent it from the library for free, but it really digs into the principles even further. Um, there are so many podcasts out there that go over these ideas, so we'll definitely link some of those as well. Awesome. Okay, so it sounds like if you have access to it, the experience was wonderful for you. If you don't have access to it, it does not mean that these principles are out of reach, that many you can kind of do some reading on or listening to or just some of these basic ideas and things that are going to help people in ways deeper than just that food. Yeah. And when we say I had a wonderful experience, um, I cried every single call. Like, (laughs) this was really hard stuff. So it was wonderful in the fact that it's changed my life. But this stuff that I'm going to talk about and present today most certainly isn't easy. Um, No matter where you're coming from today, um, whether or not you seem to have a healthy relationship with food or not, um, it's a lot to dig into. But anyhow, if you're ready, we we can kind of jump into things. Let's do it. Principle one. So again, I just want to emphasize that intuitive eating is a sustainable approach to health, um, all rooted in being able to trust your body. And so in saying that, it's key that we kind of define dieting, where dieting is an approach to health where you're following prescriptive rules on what, when, and how to eat and or move your body. So you can just see how those are kind of complete opposite ends of the spectrum there. Mm-hmm. And that's why intuitive eating really is impossible in the presence of dieting behaviors or dieting mentalities. Um, and that kind of leads me right to principle one, which is reject the diet mentality. Um, this principle is all about shifting away from dieting rules or dieting mentalities, as I mentioned. Um, and it emphasizes that you begin listening to your own body. And so dieting can be really sneaky in that we might think that we're not even participating in it at all. I remember when I arrived at my first call, I was like, I'm struggling with food, but I don't even diet. And they called me out real quick on like, you might not actively be partaking in Adkins or keto, you name it, but just these mentalities. What's an example of that mentality? Yes. Um, So you are more than likely practicing a diet mentality if you experience judgment around your food or labeling around your food. And that can probably feel overwhelming for a lot of people because I think that's most of us. Like this is a bad food. This is a healthy food. This is a good food. Um, Depending on where you're at, this can be pretty severe or not. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just really trying to be aware that you may be partaking in these behaviors even if you're not specifically calling or naming it out that you are dieting, if that makes sense. So you're saying if I say or think that eating a bowl of ice cream every night with three Oreos in it for dinner, if I think that's a bad choice and I shouldn't be doing it, 
-hmm. right? Whether or not I'm counting my calories and how many portions of each food I'm eating. Because I use the word like I should or shouldn't or can or cannot or it's good or bad, all of those obviously would fall into that, even though I'm still doing it. So I'm still doing it, so I can't be dieting because Mm -hmm. I'm letting myself, right? Just my thoughts around it is what you would be catching in that situation. Right. And exactly like you said, even if I'm still doing it, the key there is, well, what thoughts are to follow? Because if I'm feeling guilty the entire time I'm eating the ice cream and Oreos or I'm agonizing over it the next day trying to figure out how I'm going to make up for it, that's where the issue comes in. And you came straight in with a tricky question because, (laughs) yes, like if somebody wanted to do that every single night, chances are they're not going to feel their best or actually be practicing a healthy lifestyle. But that's where all the other principles will kind of come into play. Um, all right, I'll slow the, my roll for a minute. No, you're fine. The These are the questions that come up. Um, and actually, I forgot to like, before even jumping into the principles, just let people know that a lot of what I will say today will seem very averse to many. I know when I was first introduced to these principles, I could not have despised them more. Like I did not think they were possible (laughs) whatsoever. Um, But I continued to show up for whatever reason. I think I was desperate enough that I showed up to the calls with my coaches and I continued to work on things, but it took a lot of time. Um, So I just ask that everybody not hop off the call because they're like, this is BS. Um, (laughs) Instead, kind of just slow down, be curious, and maybe allow the messages that we'll share today to just be a seed that's planted and that can build. And if you're not and if you're not ready or in a place, right, to hear and apply all 10 principles or not in a place to hear or apply it specifically to eating because like Maddie experienced, like there are some deep seated things that you may not be able to hear and digest and um think through and what that means to you all on your own and that's okay so if it's safer for you um to just think of these generally right so like reject this diet mentality that can easily be reject the messages of the world that basically is just telling us what is good or bad for us in general mm-hmm. or what we should or should not do in general, right? So we should or should not watch this TV show or go to this place or participate in said activity. Um, It can, and like we said, like even if food is not one of the issues, like these are principles that it might not be a diet mentality around food or exercise, but there are other ways in our lives that this shows up. Getting back to like the entire purpose of this podcast, just how can we show up as what is authentically ourselves? And so exactly like you're saying, like maybe loosening up on some of these messages of what's right or wrong for us and just tuning into what our body and our minds is telling us is best. Perfect. And so So principle one. 
Yes, principle one, reject the diet mentality. Um, and this is done through letting go of some of those rules, whether that be with food or with life, um, and instead beginning to build that trust with our own bodies by listening to how it communicates with us. And to get more scientific, like the name is interoceptive awareness, but it's also just, again, like how our body communicates with us. And a way that I like to introduce this to people is, like the sensation of having a full bladder. We all know that every single day <laughs> or feeling like our eyes are heavy because our body's telling us it's tired. Like the interoceptive awareness is there. Um, but it's a matter of like being aware of it in all senses and then responding to it. So moving along to principle two, this is honor your hunger and it directly ties to interoceptive awareness as I was just sharing um, where we need to be listening to when our body's telling us it's hungry but then also responding to it and knowing that it's going to look different for all of us. So being curious about how hunger shows up in my body versus your body um, and as I said it's key that it's more than just having awareness of like, oh, I'm hungry. It's also responding to and feeding ourselves because our body's telling us it's hungry. And so this might seem like very straightforward and I hope for many of you it is, but I am someone that for a long time this wasn't straightforward. I either wasn't feeling hunger at all or when it was showing up, I was telling myself that I wasn't allowed to be hungry or I didn't deserve the food. Um, all of these things and that's because of what I call the muddying of diet culture where our bodies intuitively know when we need food but with diets we're tolding when we should eat what we should eat all of these different things that tell us to self-silence our own communication from our body such as saying hey I'm hungry and instead we're listening to these rules so a little example I like to give with this is if you're getting to work and you had just ate breakfast before coming into work, but you're noticing that you're slightly hungry. And so then you deal with this whole mental drama thing of, I can't be hungry, I just ate. And I don't know about you guys, but like that was a very familiar conversation I would have in my head for a while, similar to that. But compare this to the need to go to the bathroom we all know what it feels like to have a full bladder and so we get up and take ourselves to the bathroom if we can we're not arguing with ourselves saying you don't need to go pee like our body's telling us it needs to go pee and so it, <laughs> you just compare this to this idea of hunger and it shows how complicated things get when we're listening to these outside messages such as diet culture okay so it could probably, for some people, it might be, we don't listen when it tells us we're hungry. For others, it might be, we're not in tune to when our body says we're full, right? Mm -hmm. Like it could be the opposite. Like this tastes so good, or I work so hard at making it, or someone else made it for me and I don't want to offend them, or I spent way too much money on this dish when I'm going out to eat and it won't be good leftover, so I... I'm just going to keep forcing myself to eat it. Like, so it could go the opposite way. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's actually one of the principles, uh, principle five or oh. six, actually, is feel your fullness. So it is true that we have this interoceptive awareness with both hunger and fullness. And one of the biggest misconceptions with intuitive eating is that it's this hunger fullness diet, as in you eat only when you're hungry and you stop and you're full. No, you don't do that because although that's the basis of it, and we try to shoot for that. It's instances exactly like you said where I just ate before coming over to my mom's house. But she's so proud of this meal she just cooked. And I'm not going to say no mom. I don't want any of that. I'm not going to eat. I can eat a couple bites even if I'm not necessarily feeling very hungry. And so okay. there's instances in life where you can still be an intuitive eater. And not be responding only to these cues of hunger and fullness. It allows for a lot of flexibility. Okay. Awesome. That's freeing, I think. Yes. I mean, and it's complicating. It's, it sounds complicated in theory, right? But at the basis of this, it sounds like the goal is to kind of remove all those outside things to make it more simple. But to get to exactly. the simple may be a journey. That is more or less complicated depending on your relationship with this. Exactly like I said earlier, like this was a wonderful experience for me and I cried every single time. Like this is really hard work, but I cannot tell you how much easier and better my life is now having gone through the hard work where it's not as draining or complicated as it once was because I've, I've done the work and I know it's possible for a lot of other people too. So moving, so we had um, reject the diet mentality, honor your hunger, and we jumped ahead to feel your fullness. Yep. Now going back, um, principle three and four are make peace with food and four being challenge the food police. And so this is all about removing the morality and restriction from food. Ugh. And this is where I'm going to catch people and they're going to be like, nope, not for me because it's scary I know that because I went through it um our entire lives pretty much we're being told what's the best diet and how to feed ourselves and all of this stuff we've kind of swayed entirely from listening to our own bodies because any and everybody's telling us what's the best thing for it but that's where all these complicated relationships with food and lack of trust for ourselves come up and so this is all about just like getting back to who we were as children and babies even, honestly, is getting to a place where we are able to trust ourselves and know what we need. So that first principle of making peace with food, that is about allowing all food. So as I said, we're <laughs> yeah. removing that restriction where for many of us, we have those forbidden foods and this other list of foods that are allowed. Again, very scary but I can promise you that you can take it slowly you could incorporate one fear food at a time but also you'll get to a place where you're not going crazy and eating the entire pack of cookies because when you know you're allowed to have them at any time they become less exciting and just normalized but it takes you going through this honeymoon phase and just allowing yourself the food. Um, 
the second piece of that is when we're allowing ourselves the food, we are going to have to challenge the food police because that's when we're hearing all of these voices go off in our head of this is bad, this is unhealthy, you need to go work out now, all the things. When we begin to allow ourselves to eat the food, we have to begin getting curious when those voices are showing up and doing our best to silence them. Um, But it's all a stepping stone to get to a place where we do have that healthier relationship with food. Any questions coming up? This is like, I know it's a lot of info and I just like kind of word vomit with it because of how much it's involved in my everyday life. Yeah, I think it's um, in so many of our episodes, like my main takeaway from that one was we talk about this in a lot of episodes. Like the first step is awareness and kind of catching that thought, right? And so that's what this one kind of says to me. Like just like we would catch the thought um, of what's another example we've used of like, I'm not deserving of this or I'm not worthy to have a big dream or I'm not whatever that is. Um, This is similar where it's one of the first steps is just our awareness and a, how does this whole idea look in my life? Right. What is my relationship with food? And then B, like catching ourselves in those moments when we're starting to label things as good or bad or should or should not. Right. Yep. Okay. Clear on that one. With this one, uh, both principles, making peace with food and challenge the food police. All of this is rooted in this cycle of binge and restrict that many of us will be familiar with where we are feeling guilty or ashamed, whether that be with how we're looking or what we've ate. And so we decide I need to then restrict myself either to shrink my body or not eat that food again. So we go into the diet and we restrict the food. And as we all know, once we begin restricting, our cravings for that exact same food increase, drive us crazy. We eventually give in and binge or eat the food, eat a lot of it. And after that binge, you're back at step one. I feel guilty Mm -hmm. and ashamed. I need to restrict. And it repeats. This Mm -hmm. is pretty much all that dieting is. Um, I didn't say it blatantly when I defined dieting, but for many, if not all of us, dieting is impossible long term. I think for most of us, we experience, I'm going on this diet and I do it for three, maybe six months and then I fall off. Whereas intuitive eating isn't about that. It's about sustainable lifelong approaches to food and movement so there we have make peace with food and challenge the food police principle five is discover the satisfaction factor and this principle aims to develop a healthy relationship with food Um, so maybe if food is showing up as the enemy in your life or you're experiencing a lot of fear and judgment around food Maybe you're obsessing over what you ate. Like, this is the principle for you because it's getting to a place where we are able to just have peace with food. And I'm not saying it comes overnight at all. Um, It takes time, but when we're taking it bit by bit, we can get to a place where food is no longer the enemy. Um, 
And so what we have to do here is the previous principles of removing the rules and restriction, um, but also just trying to find presence and contentment in our eating experiences. Um, we're able to experience joy or contentment with our food when we're removing the guilt. And I'm not saying that as if it's easy because it's not. But a scenario that I always like to share with people is that if I am at a birthday party and there's cake and I really freaking want the cake, I'm thinking about it, thinking about it, I finally give in and eat the cake. But the entire time I'm eating it, I'm just feeling guilty for eating it and thinking of what I'm going to need to do later to make up for it. Well, I haven't experienced being present in this food at all. I haven't experienced any contentment in the food. And more likely than not, I'm going to leave the experience almost feeling like I just need another piece because I didn't get any of the satisfaction that I was looking for. And so it's this whole idea that we can't really have joy or contentment unless we're practicing being present and removing guilt. And that can apply to anything in life. I was just going to say, I feel like that's a really good one for any other area of our lives. Like if we're not allowing ourselves to fully experience things or I should be saving money and I shouldn't allow myself to go to this event or this concert. And, and then we do because our friends peer pressure us into it. Right. And we spend the money and the whole time we're like, okay, I can't get anything at the concession stand and I can't buy any souvenirs and I can't do this. Right. Because what's the point you're shaming yourself the whole time. Then yeah, you're not even present in the moment. So I think, yeah, like you said, anything can be applied to not allowing ourselves to fully experience or enjoy. Yeah, yeah that's it's going to take a lot more to reach fulfillment than if we were just present with the one cookie we decided to eat or fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. The next principle, principle six, was feel your fullness, and we already touched on that. Yeah. So I'll move along to principle seven, which is coping with your feelings with kindness. And so if we've ever labeled ourselves or heard the term emotional eater, this principle is all about you. Um, Coping with your feelings with kindness is about prioritizing a healthy relationship with food and being very mindful of how we use it. Um, This is not to say that we can never use food to cope. And I feel like I might get some questions about that, but I would like to know who has never like given a kid a lollipop or something because they're crying. Like we do that all the time. We use food to celebrate. We use food to soothe. And these things are okay, but food cannot be our only tool in the toolbox is what we're getting at with this principle. So the key here is, as we always say, be aware of how you're feeling and then really get curious and dig into what's best for me in this moment. Will eating that chocolate bar leave me feeling more soothed and better or is it just going to make me feel crappier and with a whole new issue it's not to say that eating the chocolate is never going to be the answer sometimes we really do just need a bite or two of chocolate but it's all about being curious in those moments of needing some soothing and truly asking yourself what's going to be best I think that's a hard one because every single event in life like you go to a party it's based around food. You want to hang out with friends. It's let's go out to eat. It's, and maybe I'm overgeneralizing the principle itself, but like 
many social things are around that. Like you even go to like a funeral and there's a meal after, right? So whether or not it's overtly said, like this is to cope or this is to celebrate, um, that is what happens. And so I think that's a hard one where like our go-to and because food does bring people together and food symbolizes time with family. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you're talking about, or I'm interpreting, it's like big picture that if we have no other tools or skills, like that's where it can be harmful. Not that it can't be used for those situations. Right. What you're getting at is where all the nuances of intuitive eating come in, which is what makes it tricky and what made it so that I'm two years into this and I'm still learning. Like, it's not simple. You're not always going to get it right of like deciding whether or not you choose to eat the thing or to move your body in that way. It's all about being curious and learning from the experiences and also knowing when we're choosing to make the decision whether or not to eat the food, move our bodies, you fill in the blank. I think something to really dig into what is maybe best for you in that moment is thinking about how you're going to feel later. Like, am I going to obsess and think about how I didn't eat the cookie later on if I don't eat the cookie? Like, maybe it's worth just allowing myself to have that thing. I think a lot of it has to do with how it is going to make you feel afterwards or how much this thing is going to be on your mind to kind of make that decision. So, and just being new to this concept as well, like that's making it sound like when we're going to eat in these certain situations or when it's time to eat, when I feel hunger or not feel hunger, but I'm faced with a situation whether I have to choose to eat or not in said social, social situation or whatever that may be, Part of me is like this idea of intuitive eating is to simplify and not have to think about it. But now you're telling me when we're faced with a decision, we're going to have to think about how it's going to make me feel later, which sounds the opposite of what I would want it to be where I don't have to think. I just eat if it feels right and don't eat if it doesn't. And so that just threw a wrench in making it a little more complicated to how I wanted this to be. This is exactly why dieting is so appealing because hand me the rule system and I'm going to follow it and I don't have to think for myself. Preach. That's exactly why dieting is so appealing. And I've said it so many times already, like intuitive eating early on is hard. This is hard work, but I can promise you that I don't have to think nearly much about it anymore. It's like these decisions come a lot quicker to me in my mind. But we're having to undo a lot of work, whether that's like from dieting itself or just from society as a whole. It's it's everything you and I talk about. We get all these messages from culture and society and it's a matter of unlearning them so that things can become easier later on. Uh, I think I just wanted this to be like, oh, this food sounds good and so I eat it or... This food doesn't sound yep. good, and so I don't eat it. And in my head, that's what it was. And I was like, Mom, pretty good at that. But now I'm like kind of questioning some of those internal dialogues that I don't even acknowledge are occurring sometimes. 
it sounds a lot like the hunger and fullness diet, like I mentioned, like eat when I'm hungry, stop when I'm full. And it makes sense that you would be having that outlook on intuitive eating because I think that's what we're so often sold. And that's why intuitive eating gets a bad rap because people are like, call it the what the hell diet or (laughs) just not caring. And like, that's not what intuitive eating is about. It's about honoring both our physical and mental health. So when I'm going into this decision around food, I'm considering both how it's going to affect me physically and mentally. And early on that is challenging, but as I'm saying, it gets easier over time. But it's not this simple fact of just, I'm going to eat what I want when I want. It's a lot more nuanced than that. Ugh. Okay, give me the next principle. Let's see if this clears anything up. Principle seven is about respecting your body. And so this is really kind of getting into what I just explained. This is prioritizing the full body experience. Again, we kind of led into this principle pretty easily because the next note that I had for myself is that it negates this argument that intuitive eating is unhealthy or the free-for-all approach. Intuitive eating instead is really about deciphering how our eating and movement patterns affect ourselves both mentally and physically. Um, And an example of this that I think we actually touched on in the last topic maybe was our last episode was we might decide to meal prep for ourselves because we know prepping and having this balanced meal ahead of times makes us feel good physically. And (laughs) I can be at the family birthday party on Thursday night and decide that I'm going to have a piece of cake, even though it maybe isn't fitting in with all my meal prep stuff I did the whole week. I am making that decision because it, that allows me to experience celebration and joy with my family. And so you're seeing like the duality of intuitive eating that there are times where I'm honoring my physical hunger and there's times that I am responding to my mental needs. Does that make sense or just... No, it does. It does make sense. And and I'm thinking like bigger picture too. Like if it's what the hell eat whatever you want, like you alluded to earlier that honeymoon of like we might just make it a free-for-all and say what the hell and just start eating but I also know that if I eat ice cream for dinner every night I might feel bloated and tired and have these other effects that will make me feel physically and mentally gross so not gross but just like not what I my optimal self exactly you know so Yeah, I hate the word balance because it's not like if you eat one thing, then you get one on the other side. Like that's not it either because that leads to that duality of good and bad or what dichotomy of good and bad. But I do appreciate how this idea of intuitive eating is not just physical health because in so many of our episodes, and I think what we talk about a lot is that it's intertwined, right? Like our physical health and our mental health and our emotional and all of those. And all of it takes work and kind of this one complicated topic like touches on, you know, all the pieces that we're trying to bring together. Yeah. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head with 
the ice cream example and I'm catching on to the fact that I think I eat ice cream every night you love your ice cream and I love my cake okay yes <laughs> I think I, I do think eat a bowl of ice cream every night after I have said dinner and most of the time it's fine and then there's some nights I'm like it's just become a habit or something that when the kids get a treat after dinner like I too think that I need it yeah. even when I'm not and actually so hungry for it curious yeah yeah so let's take that a step further and say that you're having ice cream for dinner every single night and maybe that extra helping then for dessert are you going to be feeling no your best physically no exactly and so that's where you really have to look beyond this idea that intuitive eating is eat whatever we want because if we're truly respecting our body as this principle says then mentally maybe I am wanting that ice cream every single night but physically it's making me feel like crap and so I'm not going to continue with this pattern or behavior when I'm being mindful of both its physical and mental effects yeah so again complicated but with curiosity and continuing to show up it gets easier in making those decisions and we live and we learn I know (laughs) last week I ate like a lot more of my crumble cookie than I usually do and I wasn't feeling too hot but I didn't dwell on it too much I just thought to myself okay maybe next time I eat a little bit less it's all a learning process yeah, that's fair. okay the last two principles um second to last is joyful movement so this one's really fun um because it's all just it's all about rediscovering the joy of movement. Oh, that's like um, my roller skating example. I was just about to say, like when you said that you and Sean enjoyed rollerblading, it's like, what do you enjoy? Because I think so often when we think about exercise and health, for me, like my algorithm shows me a lot of weightlifting, which is probably true for many people, or it might be the Pilates and yoga, like you name it. We're just sold this idea of what, exercise has to look like where it's like no let's just get back to what feels good for us because mentally and physically we know that movement makes us feel good but there's so many freaking ways to get your movement and it does not have to be this chore that exercise is often sold to us as or you're doing it to earn Mm -hmm. a nap or a cookie or whatever else exactly like it's a cost you're paying the cost Mm -hmm. of enjoying system yes yes I go in for my job I go into a lot of our local schools to do programming and one of the sections of my programming has to do with exercise and it's so fun for me because I always take a minute to ask the kids like what's your favorite way to move your body or why do we move our body And I just hear like the most fun responses of like, I love dancing with my mom and dad, or I love playing hopscotch with my friends. And it really just reminds us all of the different ways that there is to move our body. It doesn't have to be this cookie cutter example. And I can promise you not a single one of those kids is thinking in their head, oh, I had that Pop-Tart for breakfast and now (laughs) I got to go burn it off or... Yeah, they're not having these same thoughts that we are as adults around exercise or what most of us are thinking. And so principle nine of joyful movement is just helping us 
ease back into a place where we do have this healthier relationship with movement and we're finding joy in it. Yeah, I love that. And to be completely honest, this has been one of the hardest principles for me. Like, I won't lie. But that gets back to why I said, like, I'm not trying to say any of this is super easy and tomorrow you're going to wake up and get it just right. Like, I'm certified in this and I've been practicing it for two years and I'm still learning. Yeah, I think that's like, I, we both have said, right? Like, we wake up and do a workout, but... And most of the time, that's like some kind of cardio or weightlifting type thing, right? And I do enjoy it most of the time. Not every day. Like, I don't go into that every single day joyfully. Um, But for people who are like, I can't work out. Like, no one's asking you to go do a workout. Like, we're asking you to, like, park a little bit farther away when you are at the grocery store to walk a little bit farther. Or, like... If your kids, yeah, if your kids start being silly, put music on while you're making dinner and, like, bounce around with them. Like, those things can come kind of naturally if we allow ourselves to kind of let go of some inhibitions. I know for me, I'm like, I'm not a good dancer. And, like, my husband is. And my Lucy's in dance. And, like, Grayson doesn't care what anyone thinks about him. So he's just goofy (laughs) and silly. But... To allow myself, even in my own household, right, to, like, let go enough to just be present and move, I think, is I don't even allow myself to do it that often. But when I do, like, it just feels so fun. And, yeah, I don't know. Giving yourselves more opportunities to do it. And exactly like I said, getting creative. The last thing I want to say on this principle is I think you mentioned maybe in the last episode, like, you most mornings wake up early to work out and you said I'm not doing this for the weight loss or the appearance I'm doing this because I know mentally this is what sets me up yes Um, and I think one of the most obviously not for the weight loss if I'm eating ice cream every night and like that's not (laughs) at the top of my head it is balanced that's right yeah um (laughs) I think one of the most helpful questions that has moved me towards untangling this relationship with exercise and diet culture is asking myself, would I do this thing, fill in the blank, if it was going to change my body in no way? Oh, That question has been incredibly important for me for recognizing like if I need to do those extra 10 minutes on my bike or whether or not that's only because I think it's going to make me look thinner Or digging into like, no, I'm hopping on the bike in the morning because I know it's going to make me feel better throughout the day. So again, a lot of nuances, but there are some tricks to kind of helping you inch closer to like your true authentic, intuitive self. Yes. Yes. Love it. Okay. And there's one more. Yeah. Final principle is gentle nutrition. And I don't think I mentioned this earlier on, but all of these principles are not meant to be taken in order. Like. I'm not doing principle one so that I can move on to principle two, okay. et cetera. It's kind of you take them on as you see best fit for where you're at, uh-huh. except for this principle. Gentle nutrition is very decidedly safe for last. Um, and that's because it's allowing for us to first heal our relationship with food and body before we start bringing all this scientific nutrition jargon 
in. Okay. That's so it's probably not one that we want to, you can touch on, but not delve too far into because right. we don't want people digging into this one or taking this one to heart before self-exploring some of the other areas. Right. And so I guess one thing to kind of summarize this point and its importance is for all the intuitive eater haters that think that intuitive eating is just about eating and doing whatever the hell you want. It's not that. There's a very intentional place for nutrition in these principles and that we're not saying that an apple and a piece of apple pie are the exact same thing. And so it doesn't matter which you're ever having. Uh, intuitive eating is saying that there is a space for nutrition and that foods affect our bodies differently. But again, we need to heal our relationship with food and body before we're digging into any of that stuff. And again, in complete honesty, I feel like I am just now getting to a place where I'm able to even think about that, apply this principle in my own life. Yeah, yes. That's fair. So it's probably down the road for many, most of us. Mm-hmm. Okay. And though I, I may have said this earlier on, but your overall adoption of intuitive eating is very dependent on what your dieting history has looked like. So as I said, I spent 10 years dieting or controlling my food and body in some way. And so it's taken me a long ass time to like <laughs> sort through and get through the principles. But maybe if you've had a relatively healthy relationship with food in your body and you just went on a six month long diet of some sort and now you're trying to get back you're probably going to get there a hell of a lot quicker than it's taken me to learn these yeah that's fair and I think if whether or not we acknowledge right like I don't feel like I've ever I don't know not to the extent of some have like struggled with this that does not mean that there haven't been points where I'm like I've said so many times, it's so much easier when someone tells me you can or can't have this. And if they say can't, it's easy for me to say no. Like, okay, we're going to do 75 hard and that means that you can't have any desserts. And so for 75 days, I very pretty easily said no to desserts because there was a rule. As soon as those 75 days were over, like that was over, right? And kind of overindulged. So I there have been moments, been certainly. Cycle. Amen. So there have been moments when I've done this, but I don't think it's like deep, deep as much as some, right? Or deeply rooted. Um, But what I do love about intuitive eating is that it is based on principles, right? So we can kind of remind ourselves gently of some... We like our structure. Right? We do like our structure. There's some principles that we can remind ourselves of to kind of come back to. There's some guides that isn't hard and fast or black and white. And I think you've said so many times how you are a very black and white thinker. So this probably is hard. Um, And I can be like that at times too. But I do love that the idea of allowing for the gray and like that embracing that pause before making a decision, just like, no, I'm not allowed or yes, I'm allowed or no, whatever. I think embracing the pause, embracing the gray and the getting back to ourselves and who we were as children or infants and all of that. We've talked about that in a couple other episodes. So I love that this kind of translate or connects to other things that we've alluded to or specifically talked about before. The biggest thing that I can say, and it was told to me over and over again in my own coaching program was Maddie, be curious and be compassionate. And that's, what's really allowing 
me and anybody to get to this gray area because I was and sometimes am still very quick to label things good, bad, black, and white. Um, but when we're able to just pause, have some compassion for ourselves, and also be curious on the situation, we can arrive at a much more nuanced and gentle space than what our brain maybe initially jumps to. I just had this thought that, just an observation, that I feel like this idea of intuitive eating ties so closely to your values and maybe that's why it's actually worked for you. So it's time to growth, like mental, physical awareness and growth. It's time to that curiosity piece, which you talk so much about in the values episode. And it also talks about that self-care and how that's deeper than one area of your life. And so three out of four of the values that you hit on and explained in the values episode are encompassed, I think, in this intuitive eating. And that's likely why this approach and philosophy is something that you've come to care so much about because it aligns with your values. So that kind of inadvertently tied everything together and just reiterates what we've said in almost every episode, that if things are tied to your values, right, they're going to be more long-term and more meaningful and more sustainable and all those words, right, and hit you at a deeper depth than if you just followed the diet or some of those other things because this is linking directly to who you are and want to be at your core. That's a cool connection that I had not thought of at all. Well, there you go. That's a good thing to end on. And we do kind of hope that for all of you, whether or not you take this to heart, whether or not you buy the book or listen to the podcast or kind of um, pursue exploration in this further, or if you just listen to it as a like, oh, that's a cool thing that I'm sure helps a lot of people and I'm glad that it does. Or if you take it for, I don't necessarily need it for my nutrition or eating part of life, but using some of those principles in a more generalized sense to listening to ourselves and trusting our bodies. Um, I think hopefully this can touch and resonate in different ways for wherever you're finding you need it. Yeah. And I am so, so, so happy to continue the conversation. I only barely touched on these topics. It was more of just like an introduction of the principles, but if one is especially resonating with you or you find that it's a struggle in your life, I can't encourage you enough to dig into it dig into it a bit more and I can promise you from experience that it's worth it. Yay. How fun to see you, hear you, do this with you for you to show kind of the passion in what you do. That's exciting and what we hope everyone kind of finds in different areas of their life. So thank y'all. Can't wait to chat with you next time. Thank you. Thank you.